Amen. Oh, good evening. Um, you guys doing well tonight? Doing good? Awesome. Good. Um, well, uh, my name is Mike, and uh, at Northwood Young Adults, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you walked in the door tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And also hope that you came with an open heart because you are wanted and welcomed here. And so we're, we're glad you're here. It's good to see you. Uh, just really quick, I just want you guys to know, all right, so we have a, a great band here on Tuesday nights. I want you guys to know two things. One, uh, we had something come up today with Jacob where he couldn't be here tonight. And Emily Thompson and Mitch found out today that they were playing and singing tonight. Uh, Emily Thompson found out she was singing this afternoon. Mitch was memorizing chord progressions on the way home from work. All right, so let's just like appreciate them really quick. Awesome, cool. Um, so tonight we are continuing our series, Chemistry. And man, I, I'm excited to be here tonight. Uh, it's been two weeks, two Tuesdays since I've gotten to speak. And so uh, I'm excited for that. Two weeks ago we had our night of worship, which was a powerful night. It was incredible. And then last week we had a, an excellent panel up here talking about their relationship with God, their chemistry with God, and, and how that's not always a, a perfect, uh, picture-perfect thing, right? And, and, how, and they gave us some steps on how to improve that relationship with God. And so if we can, again, just appreciate that panel really quick for doing all that they did last week. Awesome. Great. So tonight, we're going we're gonna to build off of that, and uh, we're going to talk about our chemistry with others, okay, our relationships with others. Um, and the Bible has an abundance of wisdom on this, as, as you may know, right? Jesus said when he was on earth uh, that everything that uh, we are called to do as believers can be summed up in two commandments, love God and love people. And so scripture is packed full of challenges, of examples and illustrations of what this looks like and what it looks like to love others. And so tonight, we're going to pick one of those spots in Scripture and talk about it. And so to get things started tonight, I want to ask you a question. To what degree does your relationship with God impact your relationships with others? To what degree does your relationship with God impact your relationships with others? You know, many of us in here would say, man, I, I, I claim to love God. I love God. But to what degree, I wanted to ask, to what degree does that love for God overflow into a love for other people. So if you will pray with me, and then we will jump into this. God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for bringing us here together. I thank you for a great time of worship, God, as we continue to hear from you. God, I pray you'd speak from your word. I uh, thank you that your word does not return empty and void without doing what you sent it forth to do. So God, I pray that you'd speak to us tonight, and this would not fall on deaf ears, but open hearts. And uh, God, that we would walk out of here closer to you than when we walked in. In Jesus' name, we all said together, Amen. Awesome. Well, if you would, turn to the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 12 tonight. Uh, and so the book of Romans, it was, it was written by the Apostle Paul to the, the church in Rome. And he was writing to a highly educated culture. And so if you've ever read the book of Romans, you, you might have seen this like, man, I just read a chapter and I have no clue what I just read. I got to go back and read it again to try to understand it. Uh, because it's not the easiest to understand at times. Well, at the start of the chapter, uh, chapter 12, Paul calls us to lay down our lives in submission to God as a living sacrifice to God. And everything he says, that, uh, says after that flows out of that, uh, out of that action. And so as we submit to God, these certain actions will follow. What about the halfway point of chapter 12? 
Paul begins just, begins just rapid firing these, these little pieces of wisdom um, about what it looks like and how it should look like when we interact with others and what it looks like when we let our love for God overflow into a love for people. Uh, and uh, your Bible even may have this section all to itself. Uh, in mine, it's titled in the ESV, Marks of the True Christian. Okay, you see that? That gets your attention a little bit. And in, in the NIV, I know it says love in action. And so these are just a bunch of challenges, a bunch of charges about what it looks like to love people. And so we're going to read Romans 12, 14 to 21 all together tonight uh, like as one big chunk, and then we're going to come back and break these down. Uh, this is going to give us a lot to think about when it comes to our relationships with others. And, uh, and these challenges, they're going to show us how to view our interactions with others through the lens of the gospel. So this is Romans 12, 14 through 21. This is what it says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, Give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, so let's read verse 14 one more time. Let's go take these one by one. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. All right, so verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. All right, so in the context that this was written, Paul was using that word persecute because Christians were literally losing their lives because of their faith, okay? So they were under some serious persecution. But however, you know, like through our lens today, especially, you know, in, in our country and the way things are here, we don't really see that kind of persecution. But I guarantee that in our lives, we have what we would like to call haters. Am I right? But anybody say, man, I've got some haters in my life, all right, one person has some haters in their life. Raise your hand if you are the hater, all right? No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Paul makes this clear here, and so did Jesus throughout his life, okay? So this is the first way to view your relationships with others through the lens of the gospel, and it's this. Love the haters. Love the haters. And I don't mean this in like an egotistical way, like, man, I love when people hate me. They hate me because they ain't me. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying loving people and caring for people who do not return that love to you. In every season of life, you know, you're going to have someone or a group of people rooting against you, right, or not wanting the, the best for you. And that's just how life is. And those are the people that give you every right to curse them, right, or to, or to cut them off or to say, man, to hell with them. Instead, we should choose to love them, right? Want the best for them, regardless of how they act towards us. Now, in some cases, you know, there may be, you know, may need to be healthy boundaries, right, in situations of abuse. But love the haters. You know, life of Jesus, we see him do this. He not only blessed those who persecuted him, he died for those who persecuted him. He died for the men who drove the nails through his hands. He, he died for you and I, though we've turned our back on him so many times. When he had every right to cut us off for good or send us to hell, he instead chose to redeem and restore our relationship with him and now calls us to do the same to those around us. Love the haters. All right, let's read the next verse. Verse 15 it says this. I'm just going to do the screen. All right, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. 
So verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. So second way you can view your relationships with others through the lens of the gospel is to be present. Be present. Or the 2020 version, don't ghost. Don't ghost people. Celebrate when others celebrate and especially be present when they are in pain, right? You know, because of the way we communicate in today's world, it it has never been easier to withdraw from people when they need you the most. We can choose not to text back. We can choose not to return the phone call. We can choose to scroll right past and ignore situations or ignore people who may need us. And do you know how powerful just being there for people is in their lives? You know, I know for me, you know, in tough times of my life, you know, I don't remember much about what people said to me in those tough times, but I definitely remember who stuck around. I remember when, uh, when Emily's dad passed away, uh, we, had, we had just started dating at the time, and uh, I was 18, she was 17, and the, the day that it happened, she called and she, she told me, and, and instead of, and obviously, you know, if I had to do this over, I would do this differently, but instead of me going straight there to the house, I made some stops to pick up some stuff that I thought would help comfort her and, and help the situation and let her know that I was there for her, that I cared, and if it was what I felt was right to do at the time, well, there was a lot of people upset at me because of that, the, upset that I didn't come straight to the house, and, um, and I didn't find out that was the case until years later, and uh, when I think back to that moment, the people that were upset were that people that were upset in that, that moment were only there for Emily in that moment. And then they were gone. And I felt like, well, me on the other hand, I, I was there for the nine years now that have followed, right? You know, I, I was there especially for that first year that was the hardest. Anyone can stay for a moment, but it takes a lot to stay around for the long haul. You know, for the people in your life, are you someone that will stick around through the thick and the thin, through the good and the bad? Our presence in the lives of others is one of the most important things that we can give to them. You know, showing up, being consistent, being faithful friends, not giving up on people. And that's exactly what Jesus did for those who he interacted with on earth. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Right? Imagine having a friendship with someone that you knew wasn't going to walk away when things got hard. You know, to know that in the hard times of a friend's life, that you'll be there. To be a crying shoulder or a listening ear or a voice of encouragement, a voice of prayer. Are you somebody that people can count on? That's what gospel-centered friendship looks like. Let's read the next one. This is verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So it says live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Don't be prideful. And don't be wise in your own sight. So the next way to view your relationships with others through the lens of the gospel, and this is a real eloquent one. You ready for this? Get off your high horse. You like that? If we are people who always have to be right, always have to have the correct opinion, always think that we know what's best, we will not live in harmony with one another. You know, as believers interacting with others, we have to be willing to set aside our pride, set aside our opinions for the sake of the friendship. You know, here's something to think about. The friendship wins when someone is willing to lose. The friendship wins when someone is willing to lose. And isn't it so true that, you know, we, we all have this, this seemingly insatiable need to be right all the time. You see it online, you hear it in conversation, and it's exhausting. You know, if we spent l- less time arguing our side of the equation 
and more time listening to the other side of the equation, we might discover, and I know this one might hurt a little bit, we might discover we don't know everything. Imagine that. We have to be willing to sacrifice our need to be right if we want to have gospel-centered relationships and friendships. And trust me, you're not always going to agree with the people in your life. That's just how it is. But how you handle that disagreement is paramount to the health of those relationships. You know, if you let the smallest disagreements punch massive holes in your relationships, you're going to have trouble maintaining healthy friendships and healthy relationships. And I do want to mention that, you know, there is a, a difference in disagreements of opinion and disagreements of truth, right? If it comes to a top-tier belief that is supported by the Word of God, I'm not going to ever tell you, man, just discard that, you know, and agree with them. No. In that situation, you know, truth is truth, but you're still never going to argue that truth into somebody, right? It's best to just hold to that truth, right? Agree to disagree for the sake of maintaining the friendship. And we see that in the life of Jesus, right? He never backed down from truth, but he was always willing to lay himself down figuratively and then ultimately physically in service to the will of God. So are we laying down our pride? Are we laying down our lives for the sake of the people around us? Let's read the next one. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And so just to reiterate what it said, don't repay evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So the next way to view your relationships with others through the lens of the gospel is to be mindful. Be mindful. And so in times where we are tempted to repay evil with evil, as believers, we are called to act honorably. And I, I love that Paul says, in the sight of all. And it because it paints this picture of people watching, seeing how you're going to react to a certain situation. I love that idea of being mindful of the people around you because if you're being watched, which to a degree we all are, we have to be mindful what the, what, of what people may perceive about us, especially because we claim Christ. And what people perceive about us, they will perceive about him. And so we want to respond to everything the way Jesus would respond, which of course is easier said than done. But it's that practice of being conscious about what you're saying. Right, or what platform you're saying it on, or who is listening to you. Being mindful about how loose you get in conversation, right? because the, 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 the moment the Christ follower makes that one joke, tells that one story, it gives a license for everybody else to do the same. Being mindful about what you post online, right? to think about, man, how, is what I'm about to post a good reflection of Christ? Does it affect my witness? The question is not if people are watching you if you claim Christianity. They are. The question is, what are they seeing? And one of the things that, that bothers me about this is, you know, and, and I hear this a lot from people, is them, you know, just justifying what they do or, or justify what they say by saying, well, that's just, that's just what I do. It's just who I am. That's just my, my personality. Or even worse, ah, it's because I'm a one on the Enneagram. Or I'm an eight. No, you're not an eight. You're a jerk. <laughs> right? We can't, we can't let our fleshly tendencies and our personality justify sin or justify tarnishing the reputation of Christ just because we want to get our point across. Jesus died to redeem our flesh, not coddle it. That phrase, man, that's just who I am. That doesn't cut it. Because, you know, for me, you're dang right that's who I was. That's why Jesus had to come die for me. We need to be mindful of the things we do and say Let's keep reading. This is verse 18. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. So the next way to view your relationships with others through the lens of the gospel is to aim for peace. Aim for peace. And notice that Paul says, as far as it depends on you. Meaning there will be some situations where peace is the last thing you're going to get. But if you can control the situation at all, aim for peace. And some of us have no problem with this, right? Even to the extent we won't send food back at a restaurant. Or even be the one to decide where we go eat in the first place. And then there are some of us on the other end of the spectrum, right? And peace is the last thing on our mind. And we've got to say everything else on our mind before we get to peace. And as Christians, you know, there's a, a time and a place to, to share truth, be open and honest about true feelings in a relationship, in a friendship. But there's also never a time to stir up unnecessary drama and stir up unnecessary strife in a relationship between you and somebody else. And as Paul said, do everything you can to keep the peace. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And you won't always get that peace, but aim for it. Fight for it. You know, this one is so timely for us because we are in an election year. And so peace is so, you know, ridiculously hard to find in the political arena. And uh, I'm not saying it's bad to have a, a, a you know, opinion. You know, and, and in a political arena, everyone's going to have an opinion of some sort. It's not bad to have an opinion. You should be educated and informed about the things that are going on. But never to the point where it causes you to lose your voice as a Christ follower in a given relationship. You know, in those moments, don't choose to die on the political hill and throw dirt on the name of Christ in the process. Uh, uh, there's an author, his name's Elliot Clark, and uh, he wrote a book called Evangelism as Exiles, and uh, it was one of my favorite books that I read last year. It was really good, and he made this point, and, I, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, and he's writing through an evangelism lens, he said, you know, it's hard enough to convince people to believe what Christians to what Christians believe. It's hard enough to, to convince them that, man, God's son came to earth as a Jewish carpenter and lived a sinless life and died, died and, and rose again and secured our eternity. It's hard enough to convince people to believe that. Why do we also feel the need to convince them of our political beliefs as well? Why do we also feel the need to have them agree with us politically? Or to convince them of our opinion on foreign policy, economics? You know, what, what is more valuable to you? The person's view of Christ, or that they agree with you on whatever cause you feel is right. As far as it depends on you, aim for peace. Let's keep going. Verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. As Paul tells us here, it's never avenge ourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. And so the next way to view your relationships with others through the lens of the gospel is to let God be the hero. Let God be the hero. You know, throughout the course of your life so far, I can confidently say you've probably had some issues with people that were toxic. Maybe in some cases to the extreme of emotional or physical abuse, but at least, at the very least, you know, we've been done wrong before, been treated unfairly, been the victim of some sort of situation. And I'm sure to some degree there is some anger in you because of that or some bitterness in you because of that. And those feelings are valid. But what Paul is telling us here is to not live there. Don't live in the anger. Don't live in the bitterness. And to not take matters into our own hands and try to get back at whoever hurt us or try to make ourselves look better than them. But instead, have faith that God will handle it. 
And Paul quotes this strong verse from Deuteronomy uh, where God says, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. To, to trust God with these situations then leaves us the opportunity to forgive, which is one of the most freeing things that you can do towards someone who's hurt you. You know, I've had situations in my life where I've had to be the one forgiving and then also the one asking for forgiveness. And, you know, though it's not easy, there is freedom that is found in that. And when you do, God becomes the hero. Why? Because in what other kind of relationships, other than those viewed through the gospel, is forgiveness given and received so freely? Only relationships that involve people who remember all of the things that Jesus has forgiven them of. So in those moments, don't try to get even. Let God be the hero. All right, last one. Here are the last two verses. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So Paul says, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Overcome evil with good. And so the last way that we'll talk about tonight, that you can view your relationships with others through the lens of the gospel is this. Be so kind they can't ignore you. Be so kind they can't ignore you. You know, outside of the, uh, of, of the love of Jesus overflowing into love for others, it makes no sense for someone to be kind to someone who wasn't first kind to them. You know, the quickest way to, to change your world is to change it with a ridiculous, out-of-this-world this makes no sense type of kindness. And could you imagine what it would look like if Jesus' followers treated people this way? If we had this kind of chemistry with the people in our life, the Christians maybe would start again to be defined by our love and defined by our kindness instead of all of these things that we're against. That instead that we would be defined by the way we responded in love, not the way that we retaliated with anger. If we began to be so kind that people couldn't, ignore us, and truly overcome evil with good, like that verse said. So, you guys following me so far? Let's summarize all of this. All right, so the seven ways we saw in these verses to view our relationships with others through the lens of the gospel. Love the haters. Be present. Get off your high horse. Be mindful. Aim for peace. Let God be the hero. And be so kind they can't ignore you. And what I don't want you to miss tonight as if for every situation where you didn't love the haters, where you, you know, ghosted someone who needed you, where you maybe were a little too prideful, you weren't mindful of who was listening, you didn't aim for peace, you tried to take matters into your own hands, or you weren't the kindest person. Jesus was for you. And so, yes, we may have fallen short in these areas a time or two, and we will likely will fall short again. But the grace of Jesus Christ covers us. And in the moments that we fail, we can pick ourselves up Believe the gospel and try again. And so when you walk out of here tonight, you can walk out with a fresh start, a new start to start applying these things to your life and completely revolutionize the way that you treat people, the way that we treat people. And uh, as a side note, I know this is a lot to try to apply to your life at once. And so because there are seven, I would encourage you as as an easy application to focus on one a day for the next week. One a day for the next week. Like when you wake up tomorrow, be like, all right, I'm going to try to love my haters today. Come Thursday, all right, I'm going to try to be present for the people in my life. Come Friday, I'm going to try to get off my high horse today, all right? And, man, just keep going. 
Keep going until you get it. Keep going until you really start to see those relationships get taken to the next level. And you'll see yourself, see yourself start loving people the way Jesus did. So, um, if you would, go ahead and stand with me. I felt like tonight to, um, to end this off well, um, I, I figured because we're talking about chemistry with others, uh, I'm going to pray really quick, and I would love for you guys just for the next few minutes to break off into groups of three to five people and just pray over one another. Um, find someone that you're comfortable with, and maybe if you want to share needs, you can, but uh, pray for one another. Just take like, just a few minutes, and I'll come up here, and I'll close this out. All right, so let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for this strong word uh, from, from Scripture, God, about how to operate with one another. And um, so, God, we thank you that we have the ultimate, not only example in Jesus, but also a substitute for the times that we fall short. And so, God, as we walk out of here tonight, uh, God, I, I pray that we would start to love our haters, to be present in the lives of the people around us, to, to, to not be so prideful and, and to be more mindful of, of who's listening and who's watching, that we would aim for peace in situations, that we would let you be the hero and not try to be it ourselves, and to be so kind that the world can't ignore us. And I thank you, God, for the, the second chances that you give us, the forgiveness that you give us. And God, I pray that our love for you will continue to overflow into our love for others and that we would see our relationships with the people around us completely change for the better. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, just take a few minutes and, uh, and let's pray together.